Hi, beautiful beings. Welcome to the Authentic Lifestyle Show. I'm Joanne Oswell Jones, your host. Today is episode 18, and joining me for the conversation is the wonderful Rachel Heckman. Not only is Rachel rocking her own personal and emotional development, she is inspiring thousands of people around the world with her personal story and her journey of recovering out loud. Rachel reached for her first alcoholic drink, aged 14, and alcohol quickly became a crutch to numb the pain from her childhood traumas. Alcohol was always there for her and it didn't let her down. At the end of each day, it was there waiting for her. But it did let her down. It gave rise to anxiety, to depression, to weight gain, to some potentially very dangerous situations and to waking up most mornings feeling grotty, hungover, with very little motivation or energy to just try and make it through the day. Rachel knew that something needed to change. She needed to change and that the alcohol needed to go. And she knew this five years before being able to stop drinking. It took another five years for her to embrace her bravery, her determination and her inner strength. Today, this incredible woman is 503 days sober, is living her best life a magical life. She has created an accountability page on Instagram called Sober in Central Park and is inspiring the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the globe. I know you're going to love this conversation, so let's jump right in. Rachel, it is so great to have you here on the Authentic Lifestyle Show. I'm I'm so excited about our conversation because, well, hang on, Firstly, congratulations. It's 501 days today on your new sober lifestyle. That's just such an incredible achievement. Amazing. How are you feeling? Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it's kind of hard to believe, actually. I, I'm feeling great. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling like myself, like my true, authentic self. Um, and it's an amazing feeling. I never thought I could get to 500 days, no alcohol. Um, and so achieving a milestone like this is just, it's exhilarating, honestly. <laughs> you should be so proud of yourself. I came across your Facebook page and, and not your Facebook page, your Instagram. And I just fell in love with your bravery, with your honesty, with your authenticity and felt so compelled to reach out to you um, because this show, as you know, because we've chatted before, this show is all about personal and emotional development. It's all about human potential because we are so much greater than we think we are and we are so much more capable. Um, and so to see someone doing that, to see someone right in the middle of their journey on their way to greatness and bettering themselves and embracing life and is phenomenal. And so you kindly said, yes, you'd love to come on the show and have a chat. Um, but listen, are we okay to go back to the beginning of your story? Because it's a, it's a really um, powerful story. And um, I know you had your first alcoholic drink at age 14. So let's go back to the beginning so that the listeners can begin to build up a picture of where you are now to where you were then. Shoot, let's see. Sure. I would love to. Um, so, yes, I started very young. Um, I was 14 when I had my first drink. Um, I had started hanging out with an older crowd, about maybe two years older than me. 
And, you know, I was, it was the summer before my freshman year in high school. Um, my parents were getting divorced and I was acting out. I was a rebellious teen. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I decided to drink um, right before my freshman year in high school. And actually that night that I first drank alcohol and got drunk for the first time was the same night I lost my virginity. Um, and so really that was the beginning of it all for me. What was that? Was that planned? I mean, the, the, no, that, no, that was not planned. (laughs) Okay. No, it was actually, I was supposed to go to a concert that night and I had done something else to get myself in trouble with my parents. So I was banned from going to the concert. And um, a, a bunch of people who also weren't going, we, we snuck out of our houses and we met up on a golf course and we drank gin from the bottle wow. and thought we were just really cool. Um, so, yeah, that was really my introduction to alcohol. And from that first time that I drank, though, it numbed something inside of me that had been hurting for a really long time. Okay. And I immediately felt a sense of relief, I think, that I hadn't ever felt. And I was like, oh, what is this? This is, oh, this is alcohol. Great. I can put these feelings of pain that I've been carrying around for the past 14 years um, away. And that's really what I thought. So it was like a disconnection from reality. Yes. And I think I was searching for that for a long time until I stopped drinking 501 days ago. Um, because for me at the beginning too, I mean, it wasn't just alcohol. It was anything that could allow me to escape reality. Okay. And can we, are you, are you willing to talk about what it was that you were trying to, to escape at the time? Sure. Um, so for me, we moved around a lot, um, as a family when I was growing up, uh, you know, my, my dad, he's a surgeon. And, you know, he, we started off and we were in different states. I was always the new kid. Um, so that's something that's actually kind of hard to deal with when you're growing up. Um, but I never had a really great relationship with my father either growing up. And that was a, a source of a lot of pain. We never got along. There was a lot of yelling in my house and just a lot of trauma. And um, I think I was always searching for a way to get away from that pain. And I didn't realize how much pain I was in until I was in therapy years later, kind of reflecting on my childhood. It's amazing. Every single thing that happens to us in life, you know, it is it's it's woven into our DNA. It's woven into our cells. It's woven into our structure. And of course, it adds weight. It adds stress and it adds weight. So it's an accumulation, of course. Um, so, okay, so you had your first drink and it felt good because suddenly you couldn't, you weren't aware of the feelings that you were trying to actually suppress. They just sort of seemed to disappear. And so was it long before you then had your next drink or how did that happen? Or was it just this gradual process? process? Well, I, I think that, you know, back then too, drinking was this like cool thing that only adults could do. And it was you know, secret. I mean, I wanted to be in on that fun, right? And and my older friends, you know, we would go to the package store, as it was called in Connecticut, where I was at the time when I first had my first started drinking. And it was a ritual, right? It was the ritual of getting together. We would drink the cheap vodka 
like pop-off, I think it was. I think it was like $10 for like the biggest thing you could buy of vodka. And um, it was just what everyone did. I mean, I, I didn't think it was weird. I thought I was cool. And, it, you know, it, it was I was part of a group of friends that did it regularly. So, you know, that's kind of, I thought it was normal. And it wasn't. <laughs> no, did you, did you feel sick? Did you, did you... Did you, at that, at that point, would you vomit? Would you just feel tipsy? How would it affect you? Um, I mean, I it was a long time ago, but mm-hmm. I definitely think, yes, with people, you know, I would get sick. I, I, I don't remember. It wasn't a huge part of my life, though, until college, I would say. I mean, yes, I started drinking young, but um, I went to boarding school when I was about six, 15, and when I was at boarding school, you couldn't do any substances. Yeah, it was a zero tolerance school. Yeah. So I think that was really saved me in high school because I was going down a pretty bad path before I went to boarding school. And my mother was like, no, this is not going to be your life. We are going to try something else. And I repeated my my second year of high school in boarding school. Um, and I really credit that experience and that second chance um, with saving me. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it, how we don't appreciate, you know, the thing is, and I'm sure you have so many opinions now around alcohol, um, it's the only drug, all right, this is my opinion, in that it's the only drug that we are socially conditioned to think that it's okay, and that actually it's been so romanticized, hasn't it, on the movies and in in TV shows and in life and in restaurants. It's been so romanticized that it's cool, it's lovely, it's relaxing, but it can so quickly take from you. Um, and when, for you, you mentioned obviously high school, you did really well. You got into your, the college of your choice, I believe. And then of course, it was party culture, wasn't it? So is that when the drinking became heavier and more sort of often? Yes. So um, when I got to college, I ended up going to Dartmouth College, which is an amazing school. um, And I always dreamed of going there. So I was so excited to go. Um, But, you know, it's a very remote school in the middle of nowhere with a huge Greek life um, social culture. Really, the only the only ways you could socialize were going to a fraternity basement. Or going to a different fraternity basement. There, there were no alternatives when I was there. Um, and the fraternities, all they did was drink. So I don't know if, if you've ever seen the movie Animal House, but that movie is based off of Dartmouth, where oh, I went to school. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an older movie, but, um, it, you know, our, our unofficial mascot was a keg with a face. And I just, if that's not indicative to the culture of drinking at this school, then I don't know, I don't know what it is. But, um, you know, it really just normalized for me the fact that everybody drank and blacked out or people would always drink and then force themselves to get sick so they could keep drinking. I mean, that was a normal occurrence at a lot of these fraternities. So it didn't ring any bells for me when I would drink to excess. I, I just thought, oh, we're, we're young. This is what we do. When really you're forming habits at that age that you carry in, into your later life. And a, I know a lot of people from that time in my life that have since stopped drinking completely as well because that's, of that's those. It. Yeah. Yeah. It, 
it's crazy that it's so normalized. So when did you start to think, okay, I may have a bit of a problem here? Um, I guess deep down a long time before I stopped drinking. Yeah, um, I do think I read on your website, I think it was that you said it was actually five years before, four to five years before that you thought, you know what, this this probably isn't for my highest good. This this isn't something doesn't feel quite right. Well, yes, I will say about five years before I stopped, I verbally said out loud with my therapist, I have a drinking problem. But I would not have said that to friends or family or really anyone else but in therapy. Um, but I'll say it goes even back before the five years. I I have friends, um, one close friend in particular, who has been sober for about 10 years. And she's been in AA, and she's a very close friend of mine. So I kind of watched her journey um, of not drinking. And I went to a few meetings with her, and... I identified with what everyone said in that AA room. And I remember leaving that meeting with her. It was downtown here in Manhattan at one of the like really cool AA meetings. And um, we got out of the meeting and I immediately started crying. And she looked at me and she's like, this is normal. This happens to people sometimes when they come to their first meetings, it's okay. And they looked at her like totally freaked out. Like, this isn't okay. I didn't think I was going to identify with the people in this AA room. You know, she was sharing at the meeting, which is why I was there with her to support her. And I immediately went up to dinner and got a drink. And yeah, that was really when I was like, oof. <laughs> saying in the meeting that made you identify, what, what was it? Was it just desperation? Was it talking of their anxiety? Was it talking about their desire to want to not? What, what were they saying that made you think, oh, I, I can relate to that? I mean, this was this was a while ago, but I remember there was one woman in there and she was just talking about how she would kind of wait till the end of the day for that drink or she would be looking forward to it all day or she would be thinking about ways to drink without people, you know, kind of noticing how much she was consuming. And that's where I was like, oh, I, I think I do some of those things. And I, I just kind of related to random little things that people shared in there and it made me reevaluate you know am I I mean I don't like the labels alcoholic I agree not an alcoholic you know I think that there's a lot of stigma attached to that and people have this vision in your head that you need to be drinking all day with a paper brown paper bag in your hand on the side of the street in order to stop drinking when I was you know still going in my job every day, you know, I never really had a rock bottom, um, but to alcohol wasn't serving my life. Um, so I think there were little things along the way that kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I have a problem. It's not normal to drink the way I was drinking um, or just every day. Um, and I needed to make a change. So it, I, I would say COVID was the reason I actually was able to stop. Because it gave me that pause that I'm sure so many other people also experienced. And experienced, yeah. Right? To really reevaluate my life. Um, you know, for a while in COVID, when everything shut down, I lost my job. Um, you know, here in New York, we, everything shut down really quickly. And I was fortunate enough to leave the city. And I was eating whatever I wanted, drinking whatever I wanted. Um and I wasn't happy. I still wasn't happy. 
So I thought to myself, how do I get happy? Like, I, I'm finally out of the job I don't like. I'm able to eat and drink everything and anything I want, whenever I want. I'm in this beautiful place. Why am I not happy? And it finally clicked that summer of 2020 that I'm not happy because I don't like my life. I don't like feeling like crap all the time. And I was constantly feeling like crap. And I said, I have to change. I, I, something has to change. That's so amazing and so brave. Just going back to the whole um, sort of label of alcoholic, I completely agree with you. And in fact, um, in the last series, I had um, a wonderful woman on called Lucy Jane, and she's an addictive behavior specialist and mentor. And she was saying the same. So when she went through her um, her challenging time when she was younger, she would become addicted to not even just alcohol. It was anything that would help her escape her current reality so whether that be cigarettes whether that be drugs whether that be alcohol and the whole point was just to be able to disconnect from the pain that she was feeling within and when she realized so the problem I think sometimes with you know I'm not an expert in this but this is just my opinion of the problem with labeling someone is they think there's something wrong with them and they think that something can't be fixed and they have to abstain for the rest of their life rather than seeing that it's just a behavior that needed looking at and, and changing and working with um, for a more, more powerful, more motivation style behavior. So it's, it, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the labels that people put on it. And what I think is so nice, and I don't, I'm sure you've experienced this with, with all your social media, you know, even almost saying like living a sober lifestyle indicates that you had a, that, that there was something wrong with you, right? When it's life and it's the experiences that we go through, you know, and it's looking for that crutch because we're not, my thought process is, is that we're not connected to our power within. When we're connected to our power within, we realize that we don't need that crutch, whatever that might be, whether it be donuts, alcohol, cigarettes, sex, you know, you know, so it, it, it's an interesting one. But I love the bit about you just saying there that you got to the point where, so there you were in lockdown, eating, drinking, enjoying and going, but actually I'm still not enjoying. So something needed to change. So what were your thoughts? What were going through your head about something needs to change? Did you go, was it my diet? Was it exercise? Or did you know it's the alcohol? The alcohol is not serving me. Well, I, I, I knew that a lot of things in my life needed to change, honestly. And I remember the moment that it all kind of clicked. Um, I thought to myself, how do people get up in the morning feeling energized and happy go work out before work, eat healthy, meal plan, you know, have these active social lives. How do they do it? Because I, I just had, I couldn't do that. And I realized, and then it clicked, they're not drinking every night the way I am. They're not falling asleep on their couch. They're not, you know, waking up feeling like crap. That yeah. You know, they're going to bed feeling, you know, without drinking. They're waking up without a hangover. And so it really dawned on me, I, the alcohol was the piece that I needed to remove in order to get all of those other pieces functioning. So, and, and that, and for me, it really worked. I mean, 
uh, the same day that I, you know, I also gained a lot of weight during COVID. I had already been a much heavier before COVID than I was comfortable with. Um, just probably just from being unhappy, but you still get a certain amount of movement in when you live in New York city, like you have to walk everywhere. (laughs) So when I left New York and COVID happened, I gained a lot of extra weight and I just did not feel comfortable in my own skin. And so the same day that I stopped drinking, I started doing Weight Watchers or WW as it's called now. And so I put that in place. I had just gotten a new Apple watch a few months earlier. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going hard. I'm an all or nothing kind of person. Like, let's see what happens over 30 days. And I think it's really important to note that I did not go into this thinking I'm doing this forever. I went into this thinking I'm doing dry January. Um, my mom and my sister were doing it. My sister was getting married. Um, she was a COVID bride. So this was the third attempt at her trying to get married in October of 2021. And I thought to myself, when am I ever going to try? Like, let me just try 30 days. So I kicked off Weight Watchers. I kicked off my my exercising, which was just walking. I was literally, it was January too. So I was walking to Central Park, turning around and coming home and stopped drinking. And it clicked. It all just came together. I mean, the mindset is a big part of it. But at the end of those 30 days, I had never felt so good. I had never felt more proud of myself, confident, happy. And there was no way I was going to ruin that feeling by having a drink of alcohol. (laughs) That is so amazing. And you were gifting to yourself. You were giving. I think you're so right about saying, you know, for now or it's the first step that you wanted to take, you know, not waking up. Did you experience um, when you were drinking, would you experience, you know, anxiety? Would you wake up dehydrated, panic attacks, that whole thing that goes with alcohol? Yes, to a very, uh, an extreme degree, actually. So I had anxiety my whole life. I've had, I have an anxiety like disorder. I don't even like the word disorder, but I have an anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. Yes. And also depression I had for a very long time. And I think that's another reason I was so drawn to alcohol because it would temporarily relieve that anxious feeling. Um, and yeah, there's actually a quote that I read somewhere during my journey that it, it just really stuck with me. Drinking alcohol is like stealing happiness from tomorrow. We had this conversation, didn't we? Because I said to you, what is that saying where it's like, um, the saying is um, alcohol initially when you have it, like that first drink, those first couple of drinks during night gives you $10, but it robs you of 20. So you're all, you know, you're becoming deficit. Exactly. Exactly. So with my anxiety and depression, when it was bad, you know, I'd come home, I would, I would drink and I'd feel relieved at the moment in the, in the, for that, those few hours. But when I would wake up, yes, that, that hangover wasn't just the hangover. It was the anxiety, the, the, ang- the anxiousness. And it manifested in ways, yes, panic attacks. I mean, uh, anxiety at work. I would like literally sweat out the alcohol. Like, I thought I was just, like, a sweaty person. <laughs> no, I was sweating out the alcohol. Like, oh, my God. Can you let me get rid of this? Yes. I mean, I would wake up and I just wouldn't care. I wouldn't care about what I was eating. I wouldn't care about exercising. 
I just needed to get through the day. I needed to get to work somehow, make it through the work day, and then kind of repeat this whole cycle. And it it, it was vicious. Um, and it did not help the anxiety and depression. It made it so much worse. And the funny thing is, is my mother, who's always been my biggest cheerleader and always been there to support me, she would say things, she knows me well too. If you tell me to do something, I'm probably going to do the opposite. One so, <laughs> right. So she would say things. So like, oh, I, I read an article today. You know, they really were saying that alcohol makes anxiety worse. And I was like, oh, mom, you know you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I was like, it's the only thing that helps my anxiety. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. So when I stopped drinking and my anxiety went, down every day to the point where I realized how bad it was like I wouldn't I couldn't step out of my comfort zone at all like the anxiety was so bad that I would just stick to what I knew I would stick to the the same path every day I never wanted to venture into an unknown I was terrified of what would happen and so when I stopped when I stopped drinking and I was able to step out of that comfort zone and see, oh my gosh, I was kind of missing out all this time on all of these amazing opportunities that I wasn't experiencing because of the anxiety. So when you say you were terrified of stepping out or doing something different, what were you terrified of? Was it literally that whole anxious, you don't know, foreboding feeling that something's going to happen, but you don't know what, but just this feeling? Or was it something exactly. like, you know, I'm going to get knocked over or no, it was more foreboding? Yeah, it was more like catastrophizing. Oh, I totally mispronounced that word. But, um, you know, always just thinking the worst was going to happen and just being scared of change. I, I didn't want to ever rock the boat. And, you know, throughout my life, I've, weird experiences are, are happened to me. I, I don't know. Just I'm drawn to the to the strange things happening. So I never really wanted to step out of that comfort zone and 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 see what was going to happen, because it usually wasn't good. <laughs> well, you know what? I, last week, um, I was having a chat with Karim Brawl, and she's um, oh, she's a clairvoyant healer, but she works in the unconsciousness. And we were talking about um, how the communication from our higher self and from our soul and how it sort of grabs our attention to let us know that it wants to grow and it wants to change. And, you know, there's three ways, really. One is through illness and disease. Two is through subtle information. So, you know, when you get that knowing inside of you or you hear your higher self speaking to you. And the third one is through experience, which can be good or bad. And invariably, we fail to get the lesson in the good experiences. But boy, do we get them in the bad experiences. And I think, you know, anyone like yourself and me included, I think of all my biggest um, epiphanies in life and my biggest lessons have pretty much been through challenge and adversity, you know? Um, and so it's so great to hear you say that, that you started and you noticed that you began to go, actually, I can do that differently today, or I can. Talk to me a little bit about that, because I love your 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 social media is infectious. It really is. And it's, oh, thank you. No, I, it's inspiring, because listen, I'm actually 102 days sober, not drinking, okay? So today, 
And congrats. That's huge. Yeah. Well, so my my relationship with alcohol, again, I would say has never been a problem. Um, I would say, you know, I've gone through phases where I haven't drank for three months at a time or then, you know, I've drank a couple of times a week or, you know, maybe just a glass of wine at a weekend. Always very balanced, always when I've been training and working out and totally fine. But I noticed, so I recently went through um, a lawsuit, legal proceedings with my ex-husband. And during that time, I was drinking too much. And I noticed how depressed I began to feel, actually, and how anxious. And my daughters would say, you could really see the anxiety. And I regard myself as a very confident person, you know, a a woman who knows where she's going and what she's what she's about and I began to see that this was taking more from me than giving to me so I made the decision as well I'm not saying it's forever I you know I'm not labeling this but I would like to do this whole year not drinking because my business is launching my books are being published it's a big year for me um and so I'm 102 days in And I have to say, your social media is really infectious and it's really kept me going. You know, it's like I've been going, wow, this is amazing. If this girl can do it, I can do it. And it's such um, it's been so great watching your growth and seeing you just blossom and the things that you've posted. So tell me about some of the good stuff that's happened in these 501 days. Tell me, because I think you've got people following you all around the world who you're lighting up, you're you're giving them inspiration and strength. And ultimately, we're here to serve humanity, all of us, okay? And I think you've probably stumbled upon what you're here to do. Um, so tell me about the, the last 500 days, 501 days, <coughs> some of the good stuff that's happened. Tell me. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's endless. I mean, it's almost, it's magical. I want to say, I, I mean, so I stopped drinking and I was actually in a relationship with somebody who, you know, we just grew apart. And I think I was holding on to that relationship for dear life, um, out of comfort, out of fear of being alone, fear of stepping out of my comfort zone. Right. Um, so as I stopped drinking and I started thinking more clearly, exercising regularly, journaling, meditating, I got, I was already on a spiritual journey way before I stopped drinking. So it just really pushed that spiritual, spiritual journey even further. Um, manifesting, writing my affirmations down. I, you know, I listened to these sleep frequencies every night to raise my vibrations and I think the combination of all those things really just boosted my confidence, too. And it allowed me to see that I can do this on my own. I can be by myself. And I think I might need to be by myself to figure out the rest of my journey. And I've always felt like I was here to help people. And I never, I also always felt like I had a story to tell, <laughs> even yeah. going back to when I was 15, 16, because these Strange events would always happen to me everywhere I went. And I, I just didn't think it was that normal. So, you know, when I, when I stopped drinking and I started sharing, I didn't share anything about my drinking on social media until I was 100 days in. And it was with my friends and family through Facebook and my personal Instagram. I put up a post about 100 days. And the second I put it up, I felt like I was going to throw up. <laughs> I was thought to myself, 
why did I do that? Why am I telling everybody that I'm not drinking? What, what's the, what if I fail? Like, why did I do that? And I really panicked. So the, then ego the messages, in, the ego kicked in to stop you. Yeah. Yes. And the messages then started just pouring in of support or people from all different times in my life kind of saying, I've been here. I'm, or I'm sober too, or, you know, just relating to my hundred days. And that's when it kind of clicked to me. Like, wow, am I supposed to be sharing my journey? Am I supposed to be? But I still wasn't ready. It was only 100 days. I didn't know what the future really had in store for me. So I end up breaking up with my now ex, and he moves out. Um, and as after that happened, I really just tried to discover who am I and what am I supposed to do? And I started journaling every day. And after six months, when I posted again on social media, and it, I didn't feel like throwing up afterwards, I thought, I think, I think I really want to document this journey somehow. And I didn't feel right putting content about sobriety on my Instagram where all my party friends were. And I just thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to create a new Instagram account. If my friends from my other world want to see it, they can come follow me. And if not, that's great. But I wanted to be able to express myself without feeling like people were judging me, without feeling like I needed to censor myself. And that's kind of where Sober in Central Park was created at about oh, nine months I in. I love the name. I love the name Sober in Central Park. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. It's perfect. Well, I was literally sober in Central Park. And Central Park, I mean, it's huge. Okay. And even though I've lived in New York a long time, I didn't know my way around Central Park. Like, I knew portions of it a little bit, but it can be super overwhelming if you don't know where you're going. So I have a dog, George, who I've had for over three and a half years. He's my little buddy. And so we would go to the park. <clears throat> we'd kind of walk around a little bit, and then we'd turn around because I was too scared to explore. <laughs> I, I saw that. I saw that on one of your posts. You said, gosh, how far you'd come because initially you'd literally get to the park and turn around and go home, right? Whereas now yeah. the whole six miles, is it six miles around Central Park? Yeah, well, we do a six mile walk most mornings and um, we had to explore. I mean, we would we would then venture further and further into the park and we met so many cool, interesting people. I mean, in New York, when you do the same things over and over at the same times, you do see the yeah. same people. So it is a big city, but we made our friends in the park and it just became this morning ritual for me where I started my day in nature and it was almost meditative because we go really early in the morning and before 9 a.m dogs can run around off leash in Central Park yeah so it's like the whole park is this like dogs just running around and there's no tourists there really and it was it was magical so it became really a pinnacle or a pillar of my sobriety was being in Central Park so I thought how fitting you know I should I, this is what my Instagram is going to be called. So I started just putting my walks and my story and, you know, just the community that I met on there <clears throat> kept me going. I mean, it's, it's, it's created It's created a life of its own. It really has. And I was looking at one of your posts. Let me just read this out because I thought this was really interesting. So what you did, I think it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, you put some of your um, some of your notes, your journal entries. And there was one which I think was the 23rd of December 2020. And you wrote pretty drunk right now. 
will I get sober? I wish I knew. Where is the crystal ball when you need one? So just tell me about that night and or day or whenever it was that, you know, did you wake up often thinking, I don't want to do this anymore? You know, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to feel drunk. Will I get sick? You know, was it a real, um, was it at the forefront of your mind? Some people could just get drunk and go, oh, what a great night that was, right? Um, others, I think, after a prolonged period of time, wake up and go, oh, God, what did I do? Or, you, you know, or what did I say? Or why am I feeling this way? So tell me about that entry, because it, when I read it, there was there was a real wish coming from you, like, you know, when is this going to change? So it's funny. So I actually have the journal right here that I wrote it in. Um, and I got this journal because on December 21st, 2020, it was the Great Conjunction. And I'm very into astrology and the planets and and all of that. I've always been into that. So I got this journal to just work on my affirmations and my gratitude, right? My my therapist suggested that I really work on that. So I, I was looking and I, I was, I'm grateful for my dog. I'm grateful for my abundance. I'm grateful for my family. But going back to the summer of 2020, when I had that moment where everything kind of clicked that I needed to stop drinking, it was in the forefront of my mind. I just didn't know when it was going to happen, but I knew it had to happen. <laughs> I knew. So that my first post was just about December 20, my first journal entry. The second time I wrote in it was December 23rd. And I was in, I was at my mother's house and we had been out to Mexican food. I think I even wrote in here, I had five or six margaritas. And I don't, you know, I guess that was what I was feeling. Will I get sober? I knew that I had to. I knew I wanted to. I just didn't know if I could do it. Drinking was such a part of my life. I I was a partier. I, I, I don't know. Like I, my whole life kind of revolved around having fun. And yeah. I thought fun was drinking and partying. Um, so I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to give up such a big part of my life. Well, who was I going to be? What was I going to do with all my time? What was that going to look like? Um, and I'm a planner. <laughs> I like to know what's happening. I like to plan in advance. I like to stick to the plan and when things don't go to my plan I have some anxiety and I have trouble with that mm -hmm. um so I, I was saying I wish I had a, I just want to know what the future looks like and so when I read that back when I was making the post the other day I just thought I wish I could talk to that version of myself yeah. and tell her you're gonna do it you not only you. that you're gonna you find your purpose because I've been was searching for my purpose for so for all, this whole time you know, I work in nonprofit philanthropy, so I, I, my job is to raise money for people who need it from the wealthy New Yorkers, and I like to think I'm making an impact, right? Of but it's not a direct impact. I don't see, I don't see the people who are getting the funds. I'm just getting them the money. So when I started recovering out loud on social media and sharing my story um, and just connecting with people in the world on there, I felt aligned with my purpose. I was like, oh my, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am supposed to just be sharing my story on here for people who either don't want to share their story or they're, they're struggling in silence. And I'm going to be loud about it for those. Loud and brave. 
loud and brave. And so you're now, my understanding is that you're going to go on to become a mentor and a coach, aren't you? So you're going to be working on, on basically helping others walk the path of wanting to live a sober lifestyle. I mean, that's fabulous. Yeah, well, it just kind of happened, right? So I started getting message after message after message in my DMs, asking for advice, asking for resources, asking me just questions ranging from, you know, I lost 100 pounds in less than a year. So a lot of people have questions about that. I've actually also been trying to navigate how to talk about that on my Instagram because weight is a very touchy subject for people. but I've decided I'm not going to be ashamed of my of my transformation. You know, I I'm really proud of that journey, and it definitely went hand in hand with the not drinking. Um, so people started asking me questions about you know mindset, manifesting, um, weight loss, everything, and I, there's only so much I can respond to in ideas. So I thought, let me figure out a way to help people on a larger scale if this is what they want. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let that, you know, I'm, I want to get certified and do things the right way. Um, but I am working with my own person to kind of like guide me along the way. Yeah. Yeah. 100% with your own higher self. And, you know, it's interesting about the weight situation. In my book, there's a chapter called the one hour, 45 minute life plan. And when I was writing my book, um, I would walk five miles every day to channel the information and get the inspiration and the inches fell off me just fell off me and I think that the power of walking has is probably in my opinion one of the most powerful exercises you can do because you're connecting with mother earth you're connecting with yourself your higher self you're connecting with so many parts of you and you're exercising all in one so it's 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 just such a powerful exercise to do and be out and be at one with nature um so don't be i hear what you say about weight um but don't hide that because it is something that the alcohol the walking has really truly transformed you and your life right yeah and it gave me my confidence back and my hat and i look in the mirror now and i see the version of myself that i always saw in my head um and when you don't see that person in the mirror no matter what that version in your head is, that's hard. Yeah. You know, you, and I just, I wanted to feel the lines. And until I was able to get a mind, body, spiritual alignment, you know, yeah. you can't be connected to your higher self until your mind and your body are connected. And I've had some times in my life that were very dark where my mind and my body were completely disconnected. Yeah. And that was scary. So for me to go from that point, of total disconnect to feeling like I am channeling and aligned with the highest version of myself. I mean, if I need to spread this message loud to as many people that will listen, because I truly believe if I could do it, anyone can do it. I mean, I know it sounds a little cliche, but I, I, and I want to help people in any way that I can. I think it's really interesting what you say about the disconnection because in fact, there, there are some notes that I will send over to you, but it's really interesting. There was something I read many years ago um, about the effects of alcohol on the body and how it disconnects you. For the most part, I think 
people can be very disconnected from their greatness within, from their authentic self. And that in itself poses a problem. But my understanding, and I may not be correct here, listeners, but this is something I read some time ago, and um, it stayed with me, which is when you drink, okay, because it is so acidic and because it is poison, your higher self, your soul, will will almost leave your body, okay? So it leaves your body, and it's it's tethered to you, almost like a like a thin sort of link. But your your essence, your nature, your authentic self, your the divine within—that's what I tend to call it—the divine within is disconnected from the physical body. Okay, so it's out there, which then allows other entities and closer earthbound um, spirit souls to jump in and take you for a joyride. Now, the thought of that is is quite frightening and we've all been in situations i'll hold my hands up i've been in situations where the next morning i've thought what did i do what, what yeah i don't remember that at all and you're right it's really really frightening and i was going to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing there was a few things i wanted to share one being one of your most fantastic wonderful experiences on this journey in the last 501 days and also an experience where you would refer to as a pretty dark experience, maybe when you've blacked out or when you, you know, when you've partied so hard. Are you, would, would you share like either with us, you know, a good and a bad just to give us, you know, give the listeners some sort of something that they could perhaps identify with? Um, yeah, I mean, in the past 500 days, it's really just been pretty positive. Um you know, I would say there have been just moments where you've gone, wow, this is amazing. So I ran my first race of my life um, about a month ago, I want to say, maybe a little over a month ago in Central Park. I've never ever was a runner. I actually, um, I think I failed my gym, my my physical education class at public school before I went to boarding school because I refused to run a mile. I, I like that did happen. So the fact that I signed up for the New York Road Runners, which is the, the organization that puts on the marathon, and thought to myself, let me start running races. I'm actually running a 10K next month. It will be my second race ever. So running that first race, which was 5.8 miles in, in Central Park, that, that, that was amazing. And I actually ran an eight-minute mile at the end. Wow. Yeah, and I got faster with every mile. And at, when I finished that race, which I did alone, I I didn't run it with anybody. I just went to the Central Park. I had a, I had a friend at the finish line waiting for me. But I thought, wow, I would have never in a million years done this if I was still drinking. I would have never signed up for the road runners. I would have never experienced the rush of running with the. And it was a women's run too, so it was just full of women running this race in Central Park on a gorgeous spring day, and I finished, and I thought, this is amazing. Now, that is personal development, and that is emotional development. That is such incredible personal growth. It's amazing, isn't it? It really is. Um, and so now for the, the negative, yeah, um, I don't even really, really know. Not in the last, five, you know, not in the last 500 days, 500 day, yeah, 500 days, but perhaps a time when you were drinking where you woke up with remorse and thinking, yeah, this is, you know. Um, well, that happened a lot. Um, but I would say 
I don't know. There's this one time sticking out to me, actually. I was on vacation with my friend who I already mentioned who's been in AA a long time. And I got extremely drunk um, on our, one of our last nights on vacation. And she wasn't with me. And we, I was like alone. I, went, I had been met people out. And I got so drunk that people that I had met had to get me back to the hotel that we were staying in. I don't remember that. I was in a foreign country. You know, it was dangerous. I would put myself in very dangerous situations all the time. And I'm when I reflect on some of those situations, I feel very lucky to be here because for me, when I would drink and I would drink too much, some people black out, like what you were just saying. And I completely agree with what you were saying for, regarding our soul leaving, leaving and tethering. And, you know, I've also read somewhere that's why they call alcohol spirit yes. because it's full of spirit that come into your body um so I did I would yes I would black out and not remember things but I wouldn't do weird stuff I would fall asleep and to the point where it was really hard to wake me up and and I would that got me into some pretty bad situations um but this particular time I remember I woke up and I was in the bathroom and my friend who was sober was sleeping in the bed like what happened to you last night and we had a really honest conversation about my drinking and I think that was the first time I ever said to her, yes, I have a problem. Mm-hmm. And this is something I'm going to have to figure out. And that was back in 2015, I want to say, maybe even earlier. Um, so that, but that sticks out to me as a big point in my drinking where I realized this is going to get me into some serious trouble one day or if I don't stop. I think it's really, I, I think, one of the bravest things that we can do as humans here at this time in this earth is to be open, to be honest and brave with ourselves and know that we're on this journey to evolve and we're on this journey to step into being the highest version of ourselves. Or maybe not for some people, but generally speaking, I think it's an awful waste of time if you don't want to. Um, And so I think by just owning your shadow, a lot of people, you've heard of the shadow personality where a lot of people don't want to own that part of them, the less desirable part that we all have, right? The less desirable part that you don't want to own. Um, And I think just by saying to yourself, you know, I think I have a problem. I think this has to change. That in itself is so powerful because I think it's that or I feel it's that first part of admitting that something needs to change. And once that key's unlocked or that door's unlocked, it makes the next steps much easier. And I wanted to ask, have you found that in the direct messages that you get in the private DMs that you get, you know, um, are there people that are wanting to open up and say, look, I have a problem here. What would you recommend? Every day, I get at least five to 10 messages a day of people saying, I have a problem. Um, I've been wanting to stop drinking for a long time. Your account's giving me hope that I can do it one day. You know, do you, what are you, what do you recommend to start off? I mean, I, I get like probably, yeah, probably at least 10 of those messages a day. And then I also get people, you know, just saying really nice, kind things to me, like that I've inspired them to go on long walks. But I inspired them to get a dog. I inspired them to go to start Weight Watchers. I mean, all of these things that I did, I, you know, I'm just trying to share what worked for me. And I know that everyone has a different path. Everyone's recovery looks different. 
And so this is just what personally worked for myself. And um, if I can help people, you know, get to where I got, you know, that's that's just my role. <laughs> I think you're doing an incredible job. You're working on the mental, you're working on the physical, you're working on the emotional, you're working on the spiritual. And it's just, it's phenomenal. And, you know, this the whole, I mean, I also read somewhere else in your in your website where you say, you know, mindset is the most important part of recovery, which you just mentioned. And um, maintaining the mental and the physical health is vital to recovery. And something that the listeners might be interested in who maybe haven't listened to last week's episode, um, Corinne was talking about um, our physical body is like our own animal. Okay, it's like the animality of us. And we're so cruel to our own animal, to our own physical body. Like we would never, you would never dream of when George is tired and asleep, pulling him by the leash and going, come on, wake up, wake up, wake up. You can't sleep now. Or, or come on, you know, like pushing. We're incredibly unkind to ourselves. And so I think what's so lovely is all the wonderful things you're doing about the walk and, you know, getting yourself George and looking after the physical, the emotional is is phenomenal. It's a real beacon of light for others. So just keep on doing it. Keep on doing it for sure. Um, Tell me, what is the what's the future looking like? What's the goal? What's the next goal? Where are you at now? So I'm actually, this is kind of, uh, it's exciting. I've always wanted kind of to write a book. <laughs> and there was something in me deep down um, since I was 16. Now, it's like, you're supposed to write a book. But it was always funny to me because I, I was a math science person throughout school. I never really liked to write. And I didn't understand why there was like an urge in me, like an overwhelming urge. I needed to write a book. And then I tried to convince myself that everyone felt that way, that everybody wanted to write a book until I started talking to people. And they were like, no, I don't want to write a book. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess everyone doesn't want to write a book. Maybe I should listen to this little voice inside me. Um, But then I never really knew like what was going to, what was going to tie this book together. And then I stopped drinking and all of this happened and it just was like, wow. I wonder if this version of me was going back to a younger version of me and kind of saying, you're going to write a book one day, start writing some of these journal entries down or start say, I've saved a lot of stuff in preparation for this book for the past 12, 15 years as I've been thinking about it and it's happening. I'm I'm starting to write. (laughs) Well done you. That's amazing. What are you going to call it? Sober in Central Park? I don't know yet. No, no, I don't know. Definitely not. No, not Sober in Central Park. But I'm thinking of a few things, but I'm definitely going to keep that, you know, close to the chest right now because uh, I do believe in, you know, I don't want to put anything out into the universe until I'm super ready. Um, I'm playing with a few titles. Good. You make sure you do it. You make sure you do it. It's so wonderful to, it's just so wonderful to chat to you. And I can't thank you enough. And yeah, it's hugely inspirational. There was one last question I wanted to ask you, which was, did you look to find um, an alternative to alcohol in terms of, you know, so when you're out socially or did you just not look to replace it at all? So it's, it's funny. I'm glad you actually brought this up now because my number one thing I tell people when they reach out and they ask me, what do you recommend? I'm just starting out. I say to them, you need to find replacements. And it's for replacements for everything in your life. 
So replacement drinks, that's the first thing I tell people. I personally chose tea because yeah. I know in England it's way bigger than it is in the U.S., but I was never a tea drinker, ever. I just It just wasn't my thing. I, I love coffee. So I decided I'm going to get into tea. Every time I wanted a drink, I went and I made a cup of tea. I would try different flavors, different kinds, whatever, but I forced, and then it takes a while to drink a cup of tea. So I, you know, by the time I was done drinking that cup of tea, that craving had left. Mm -hmm. So that was huge for me. I didn't get into the non-alcoholic, like wines or beverage like that until later on in my sobriety journey. But now I, I love them. Oh my gosh. I am obsessed with three spirit. And if you watch my Instagram, you know, I'm obsessed with three spirit. It's like an elixir. Um, and they're actually based out of the UK too. Um, so there are so many options. It's like the best time to not drink because all of these companies right now are coming up with non-alcoholic options, like from Heineken to, um, Shirley. I mean, there's just so many companies now that are doing this that weren't around five years ago. Um, so drink replacements, number one, people replacements are number two. You need to surround yourself with some, with either sober friends, a sober community, find that community that's going to support your journey. It, it cannot just be the same people and friends that have already been in your life. You got to add some new people to that, um, in my opinion. And then it, the third replacement that I tell people to do is activity. You need to find something that's going to fill your time because you're going to find yourself with so much new free time, yeah. like from at night to in the morning. Cause you, I, I wake up now at 6 a.m. Like, mm. let's go. go. And yeah. that's why I found myself in Central Park, you know. Rachel, it's been an absolute pleasure. Sober in Central Park, hashtag Sober in Central Park. It's been such a pleasure. And I know this is going to inspire so many other people around the globe. I can't wait to upload the video. And I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to include in the episode information um, your your website. I'm allowed to put your website up and to put your social media um, access up so people can contact you directly if they've got any questions. And just keep on rocking, girl, because you are doing it. Thank you so much. And honestly, thank you so much for having me on and for reaching out, for being so supportive. It really means a lot. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would can't wait to connect with more people from around the globe. And my, my website's up, but I just published it last week. So it's, it's still a work in progress. Um, but, yeah, no, it's been an amazing journey. And uh, I just I can't wait for the next 500 days. Wow, what a conversation that was. I really hope you've enjoyed hearing Rachel's story. She is on a journey and she is flying high. It's amazing to see this woman flourish the way she's flourishing. And, you know, it's so true, isn't it, that when you invest in a little self-care and when you throw yourself outside of your comfort zone, that's where the magic lies. And I know it can be hard for people to speak out and even at times to admit to themselves that they're living out of balance and that they're giving away their inner strength and personal power to a drink or to some form of substance. But one thing I know for sure is that we are all far, much, far, far more stronger than we think we are. And so if you are someone who is struggling with alcohol dependency and or perhaps you're just indulging in drinking too much alcohol, but you desperately want to make a change, I know you can do it. And I know there are lots of support systems out there that can help too. And perhaps it's just as 
simple as taking that first step of swapping that beer or that glass of wine or that glass of whiskey for a delicious, supportive, nourishing glass of three spirit. You're probably thinking, what is three spirit? So let me introduce you to the three spirit company. This incredible first of its kind company has created a range of plant-based vegan alcohol-free elixirs like no other. So I just want to share a little bit of their story with you because I think they're an amazing company. So Three Spirit was founded in 2019 by Dash, Mita and Tatiana. And they had this vision and this dream to create a range that celebrates what goes into the drink and not what's left out. And so working with a team of scientists and bartenders, they got really creative using ingredients such as nootropics, adaptogens and herbs to create an entirely plant-based, pleasurable drinking experience. I mean, how amazing does that sound, right? And listen, having spent 20 years in private practice specializing in natural health and healing, I totally get what and why they've created what they have. So I feel like the Three Spirit Company are gifting the world and all of us who live here on earth with the most wonderful opportunity to support our minds and our body with their elixirs. And you know what? They've got one goal in mind, and that is to either liven up your night with their livener elixir or to help you chill out while you're chilling and chatting to your friends with their social elixir or simply if you're winding down for the evening with their nightcap. The Three Spirit Collection are their spirit alternatives and they're so good for you. And I think that given the ingredients used in these amazing creations, so given the adaptogens, the nootropics and the herbs, I reckon the experience you'll have is so much better than you could ever have with alcohol. And so to tempt you, we're offering a 15% discount to all listeners in the U.S., in the UK and the EU. The discount code is Authentic Lifestyle and I'll put all the information in today's episode. So feel free to buy yourself a gift and try Three Spirit. Uh, You won't regret it. You really won't. And I know Rachel hasn't regretted trying Three Spirit. She really loves their elixirs. So take a moment to hop onto their website, find out a little bit more about their vision, their company, and the great things they're doing here at the moment. It's threespiritdrinks.com. So have a look at that. Right, well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I really, really, really hope you've enjoyed the conversation with Rachel. She is such an inspiration. Please reach out to her on Instagram and say hi. You'll be able to see and enjoy some of her fabulous content. And to read more of her personal story, you'll find that on her website, soberincentralpark.com. But again, I'll put all this information in today's episode resources. For now, I guess all that's left to say is don't forget to embrace your bravery, connect with your own authority and inner strength. I wish you, as always, a wonderful weekend. Wherever you are, please remember how truly magnificent and beautiful you are. And I look forward to connecting with you next week. For now, much love.